I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a book about doodling that I think you are going to really enjoy. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 309, Doodle Dots. Or you might want to just call it, If You Can Doodle. It has been many years since I did my bird project. I did this year-long bird project, looking every day for birds and drawing birds and learning more about birds and learning to pay attention to birds. And there are so many bird projects out there. Some days it seems like every artist has a bird project at some point. And too often these days, I think I don't notice the birds again, right back where I was. And that's a sad thing. I would have thought or hoped or wished that after that year-long experience, I would never again be unaware of birds. And sometimes I'll all of a sudden see a bird and think, oh, yeah, I should pay attention. It's sad to not stop and notice the birds because it is a sign of stopping and slowing down and looking. The seeing of birds. Thankfully, some birds are persistent enough or loud enough that their presence cannot be ignored. There have been swarms of crows in the back recently. And the other day, I was hearing this incessant noise. I had gone out to walk one of the dogs, and there was this cacophony coming from the backyard. I was out front, and I could hear that it was behind the house, and it sounded like it was behind my house. It really dragged at my awareness, and I went back up the steps and inside, and I said to my son, don't you hear that? Because he's sitting right next to the window, the window that overlooks the backyard. He said, oh yeah, he had headphones on. I have a dog in my lap and you might hear those slight whimpering sounds. I can hear it just now. This is a foster and this foster is a little bit sick right now. And he's all cuddled up in my lap. I'm going to leave him here and hope that this doesn't pick up too much of him. I can hear him, poor thing. So I asked my son if he could hear this, and he hadn't noticed it, of course. He had headphones on, and he wasn't really paying attention. I knew that what I was hearing wasn't a hawk. I know that mewling sound, and I thought it sounded like blue jays. It did, and yet it was out of context, because I don't recall blue jays being in those trees, not in the trees behind our house. And yet when I went to the window to see if I could spot the noisemakers, I stood still and I watched, waiting, and a male jay darted from one tree to another and then walked out on a limb. Jay, yeah, not a Stellar's jay, California scrub, male. And in noting that, in knowing that I knew what I was looking at, I am taken back to the day that I first saw one, a female, chubby. I had no idea what she was. I didn't know what I was looking at. She was a mystery. She was a puzzle to me. It took me a while to figure it out. I know where I was sitting. A summer day, I was in the car waiting for pickup. I know exactly where I was. And it's funny. 
the little moments that lock us in time. Memories that we don't realize we have until something tugs at them and they spring free all of a sudden, whole and complete and real, tangible. There are house finches in the bush out front next to the path that leads to our door. These are new too, and they have startled out of the bush a time or two recently, scaring me as I walk down the path. And then they've flown up and perched on the triangle thatch of roof, their bird song so familiar, and the ruby of the male head so telltale, that rosy red. There is comfort in knowing these birds. I miss the birds, truly, but that was a particular point in time. I am glad now and then that a bird crosses my path, makes me pay attention all of a sudden. And sometimes it is really unexpected. A hummingbird swooping right down in front of me and jizzing in circles at eye level during my walk. I saw it. It startled me. I stopped. I paused, smiling and laughing at its movements right in front of me at eye level. Insistent. Persistent. The hummingbirds I hear all the time. They're out back. Those are in our trees. I hear them. And I very seldom even stop to look. Their sounds are so distinct, and I remember watching the one atop the tree behind the school day after day, many years ago. I am glad to be a person who sees birds. I am glad to be a person who sees birds. I'm glad to be reminded that I can be a person who sees birds, and that I have retained a little bit of knowledge and memory of some of these birds. I don't know what order I will post shows. There is another show about time, which technically is the show before this one, but it feels complicated. It feels a little complicated. And right now I'm so not into complicated because so many things are complicated. So this show is not complicated a book today, because books are not complicated. But I want to say up front that I don't talk about books because I think you should rush out and buy books. I always worry that people who buy something I talk about won't like it. But I want to tell you about books. So you have to promise you'll be sensible, sensible, and you'll check your library. The book I have today is a book I've been hanging onto from the library for a while. That's pretty much true with everything I check out. But I've had this one for a while because it was the book I thought should be in episode 300, that elephant show, that celebratory show. I think I was the only one that celebrated, but that celebratory show. There's something about it that is really inspiring to look at, this book. And I thought it was somehow this great fit for the CMP, which is why I considered it for that show. But it's also proving to be somehow hard to talk about. I can't exactly figure out why. Hard to describe, maybe. So, today, we're going to do it. This book is If You Can Doodle, You Can Paint, Transforming Simple Drawings into Works of Art by Diane Culhane, 2017. So it's relatively recent. I am on a roll with recent books. And I find this book enchanting. When you open it up, The table of contents is a thin column down one side, and the rest of the two-page spread is this series of bits 
small scraps of all kinds of paper that have individual doodles and drawings on them. It's an arrangement I love. I love the bits. I love the totality. This is the kind of eclectic mix that really speaks to me. And I don't think it's just me. You can't see these drawings, so you have to understand they are basic. They really are doodle-inspired. Some flowers on one, some pears on another, a sketch of a small house, a coffee cup, a chair, some random shapes, a pitcher. There are many organic or flower-like shapes, some trees. And they run the gamut in terms of detail and finish. They are black and white or blue and white, pen and ink. And the white is not always white because some are on yellow post-it notes. Some are on lined notebook paper. Some are on other kinds of scraps. It's an arrangement that speaks to me. The kind of thing I would do if I had a wall, if I had space. The kind of thing that I love. So that's the table of contents. Funny, right? A whole discussion about the TOC, the table of contents. It breaks down this way. Getting started. Chapter two is the biggest section titled Doodle Specifics. It is subtitled Building Your Image Library, and it has seven exercises. Number one, line quality. Number two, let it loose, small, medium, and large doodling. Number three, circles and lines. Number four, right to left. Number five, doodle while reading. Number six, pick a theme. And seven, take a line for a walk, and that alludes to an exercise inspired by Paul Klee. Section three is Doodle collections, folded books, and revamped journals, and that is about making those things so that you can then doodle on or in those books or surfaces. Section four is titled Blowing It Up, two exercises on enlarging your doodles and adding color. And section five is mixed media, painting with your doodles. And then there's a final section that contains a gallery of work from different artists. So In this last year, I have talked about doodling multiple times, multiple times, and I have said I don't doodle, and maybe I've proven myself wrong a time or two, but I've talked about doodling, and I've talked about the fact that doodling means something different to different people. I think how people define doodling really can and does vary, or to put it differently, what you do when you doodle probably varies from what someone else does when she considers herself to be doodling. But at the core, doodling is some form of mark making. I think of it as some form of drawing, but really, if you strip it all the way down, it's mark making. Maybe there are shapes or representation of things. Maybe there are patterns. Maybe your doodling involves repetition of marks over and over and over. I fill space these days restlessly. Circles, especially dots, which is why I titled the show this way. Circles over and over, filling space with open circles, connected circles, the same way that I would if I was quilting them. Loose circles, repeated round and round and round, shift to the side, another circle, round and round and round, letting my pen move fluidly, circle to circle, repeating the lines over and over, rhythmic circles and hatching hatching because I also hatch. I hatch through my meetings. I draw circles and I hatch. You might doodle flowers and that's how you fill space and it might be a form of doodling for you. Maybe you draw stars. Maybe you draw people. Maybe you draw what you see or maybe you just randomly draw lines. Maybe you just fill space and are your lines curved or are they angular? All kinds of 
things that make our doodling distinctive. Our doodling does have elements of our voice. So in this book, Colhane starts out in the introduction with a discussion of doodles. And I love this emphasis on the automatic nature of it. When we let it happen, when we let it happen, it can be something that really runs on autopilot without us really thinking it through or overthinking it. There's what I would call a mindfulness to this practice. Quote, anyone can doodle. It is just making marks on the page while your mind is busy thinking or listening. Your brain doodles without judgment, without thinking or giving commands, and without expectations about the process. Disengaged from your inner critic, flowing along in the moment, you are present. Like a leaf floating on a moving river, doodling is fully itself, and at the same time moving with the current. She goes on to say that doodling shouldn't be trivialized. Quote, doodling is your voice spoken on the page, and it will take you places you cannot go alone. It is simple and yet full of complexity. She says, quote, a doodle is always at your fingertips. It's mark-making when you are otherwise occupied, perhaps talking on the phone or listening at a meeting. It is automatic, without deliberate thinking about what is good or bad. It pours out of you easily from a pure subconscious place with no agenda for where you are headed, end quote. It is a good intro. She talks about her own doodling, that she is always doodling. That is how she processes information, and she says it helps her feel she is always progressing. The book is full of wonderful examples of her doodles and more collections like the one that I described from the table of contents. So visually, the book is really inspiring. It's really inspiring just to see these examples. Mentally, I think the book is inspiring because it is wonderful to know that the book is all about taking your doodles and using them as a launch pad for bigger works, either as elements of bigger works or as an entree into bigger works. So it's about valuing your doodles, valuing your doodles. And I think some of you will find this really resonates. Maybe you don't doodle all the time the way she does or with such abandon or with such confidence in the value and validity of doodling. I don't. Sometimes I think my biggest problem these days is that I have lost the ability to just fill pages. These last few years have put me on a trail that values finished work in a different way, in a new way, in a very concrete way. It's subtle, and you slide into this process. And it's working against me in some ways. I'm not winning any races in this process, even though I'm working really hard every day to finish something. And those of you who have seen my recent postings know that I have backed off, backed off for many, many reasons, but I have backed off a little bit. I'm trying to break what has become too much of a focus on creating a finished piece every day, because some days I just can't. So I'm changing up what I'm doing a little bit, but I need to break out and doodle more, to draw with more abandon, to fill a page with a bunch of things and not worry about whether it's presentable, whether it's postable, whether it's shareable. And maybe it would be, but doing something that is doodle-inspired is not something I do so easily anymore. It's hard to get back in that space. The exercises in Chapter 2 are designed to help you loosen up, and they might work for you. You might like these. The directions are loose, pretty flexible, brief. One of these exercises involves covering a wall with papers and working really big. And I love the images in the book of her doing that. 
It isn't something that I could do or can do or will do, but there's something fascinating in the idea in seeing these giant sheets of paper covering a wall and just working across the whole thing. And again, you really have to just let loose and give yourself the fluidity and the room and the flow to do that. And I think that would be a challenge. I do. But if you try it and you let yourself go, wow, it could be really exciting. And you get your whole arm into that process. She has a section on using sticky notes. And there are many people who do projects with sticky notes. And I like her examples in that section. I like her examples and I like the visual appeal of a grid of random doodles when viewed together on post-it notes. Simple marks on yellow sticky notes. There are shape-based exercises and exercises that have you move your doodles in a line across the page and then back again. So you're making this path that goes from side to side and continues down the page. There is an exercise that has you doodle while reading. So you're making marks while you aren't even looking. If feeling like what you doodle doesn't look like anything real is something that bothers you, then forcing yourself to simply not look might just help you get to a different place and might just help you move your doodling to the real realm of just making marks. Making marks, not trying to draw something. Doodling on a theme is a great idea. She's got good examples. In those examples, they are more representational. And we see sketchbook artists do this all the time. Clusters of things, one a day or a bunch on a page. Not only does it give you good practice on drawing certain types of items, but the end result is almost always visually really interesting. And it lets you explore a theme that you enjoy. So it could be something from the kitchen or chairs or hats or birds. I don't know that you will learn to doodle by looking at this book. I think she would argue that you already know how. But I think you will find her examples exciting. And the overall idea of doodling being something important, I think you will like that too. You might just view your next business meeting or your next long phone call totally differently if you keep a doodle going at the same time. And who knows what those doodles might turn into or how you might use them. So this is one to check. And I also read, I'm not going to talk about, but I just want to mention, I read This One Summer and it's a YA graphic novel by Mariko Tamaki and illustrated by her cousin Jillian Tamaki. I totally enjoyed it. I totally enjoyed it. The illustration is fantastic. It really is. It's monochromatic. It's got a lot of variance in how it's illustrated. I really did like it. It is a Caldecott winner. Got a real level of grit to it. So be aware of that if you pick it up for anyone other than yourself or even if you pick it up for yourself. But there's something really compelling to it. There's something poignant to it you read it as an adult long past the days of summer, there is something poignant to it. But I found it really interesting, too. It's definitely a coming of age story in some ways. I will link to a video overview that you might enjoy. Actually, I'll link to a few videos. I was out checking on the book and the Caldecott winner part of it and realized that there are all these videos. And that made me realize there are all these videos of books. I didn't realize that. All these videos in which people talk about books. I should have known that. Should have been really obvious, but it was pretty fascinating to see how many videos there are about this book this one summer. So I'll link to a few of those. You might want to check it out. I am the art. The art is me. 
And that is it for today. That is it for episode 309, keeping it really short, really on the surface. There's nothing wrong with that. Doodles, dots, circles, hatching. It's all good. It is all good. We are into May now, and in a couple of weeks, the Index Card a Day Challenge sponsored by Daisy Yellow will be starting up. So make sure you sign up for the newsletter on that site so that you are in the loop if you're not already and don't miss the time to register and join the special group for that and find out all that you need to know. The official challenge will start June 1, but there's usually some fun warm-up in May. So gather your materials, think about your approach, make sure you've got a stack of index cards. As always, I'm Amy. You can reach me at Creativity Matters Podcast at gmail.com. Show notes are available on the Creativity Matters Podcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Hydless. You can find me at Instagram as O Amy O Amy. That's O A M Y O A M Y. And thank you to those of you who support the CMP in any way. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Have a good week, everyone.